I want to welcome you back. And those who are here for the first time, I want to welcome you to the um, second class of a six-part seminar on being unashamed in your neighborhood. We looked a few minutes ago in our first class at what our neighborhood is, and we saw the story of the Good Samaritan. And we saw that in that story, the question is asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers that question by telling the story of the man who had fallen among thieves and was wounded and needed help. And so as the um, Levite went down that pathway and as the priest went down that pathway and then the Good Samaritan went down that pathway, the Good Samaritan was the only one who recognized who his neighbor was. The Levite passed by the man who needed his help. The priest passed by the man who needed his help. But what did the Good Samaritan do? He stopped. Thank you. He stopped. And you know, we all have busy lives. We all have a lot of things that we're doing in our lives. But Jesus comes to us and he says, I want you to take care of your neighbor. And your neighbor is the person who is in your pathway who needs your help. And if you were here in the first class, you probably had your eyes opened a little bit or reminded at least that there are many people who need our help who don't know they need our help, right? And so God allows a couple crises. If you're new, um, you'll catch up in a few minutes, I hope. And if, you're, if you've been here for the first class, what are these crises that God allows to awaken a person's spiritual need? The crisis of? Getting. getting. When people get to the top and it disappoints them, they start to look a little higher because they got everything they could get on their own and it didn't work, it didn't make them happy, it didn't make them feel more loved, it didn't, do, it didn't give the peace that they wanted. And so they start to look up to what's above this earth. Heaven, God is the one above this. And this can answer the question for a lot of us who are surrounded by professional people, high achievers, people who have a lot going for them, and we think, how can I share the gospel with them? They already have straight-A kids. You know, they don't need parenting classes. They're already financially set. They don't need financial help. They're already um, active in church. They don't even need to be told to go to church. What do I offer these people? But these very people are going to go through a series of high points and low points, high points and low points. When they reach the top and they achieve something that they wanted, get something that they wanted, build a relationship that they really wanted, and then all of a sudden it begins to disappoint them. As they get that disillusionment, that's a divine appointment for you to come close to them. And then as they hit bottoms and things go wrong and, and uh, problems happen in their life, then they start to say, where is God and why is this happening? So these two crises awaken people's spiritual interest. Now I want to remind you that if you show up when someone hits bottom, you will not be welcome. Now I know that's a categorical statement, but if you show up for the first time when a person hits bottom, what will they feel like? A charity case and all you care about is helping them, right? And they, they won't know you, they won't trust you. So when do we need to show up? when people don't need us. And what do we show up to do? Why do we show up? Because we want to be with them. How did Jesus describe his earthly mission? He used one word to describe himself when he came to this earth to seek and save the lost. He took the word Emmanuel. What does that word mean? It means God with us. So how did Jesus choose to reach people? And in our DVD series, we have a particular segment called God's Way of Reaching People. And it's called Emmanuel. So we have to be with people if we want to be welcome at their low points. We need to be with people if we want to be welcome at their high points when they start to go down and get disillusioned. Now let's face it, it's embarrassing to people. When they get it and they achieve something and they reach for something and they get there and all of a sudden they're even disappointed in themselves and you know, don't like what they got. It's, it's embarrassing to people. Who do you share your embarrassing moments with? Friends, people you trust. What did you say? Friends, Friends yeah. You share your embarrassing moments with people that, that you trust, that people that are with you through the thick and thin. And so remember that Jesus came to be with people. When he came into the Garden of Eden on his first missionary trip, he said, Adam, where are you? He wanted to walk and talk with him. He wanted to be with him. And he said, where are you? It wasn't condemnation. It was a longing desire to be with Adam and Eve. And as he spent time with them face to face, they could see that he still loved them, even though they had blown it, even though they had failed, even though they were naked, even though they were embarrassed. 
Jesus still wanted to be with him and he could see that in his eyes. They could see that in his eyes. Then it was that he was able to say to them, what did you do? And then to walk them through the process of repentance and confession and hope and discovering a savior who loved them. Let's have prayer as we move on. Our Heavenly Father, we just pause now to thank you for being such a wonderful Savior, such a wonderful shepherd who seeks and, to sa and saves those who are lost. Lord, I think about so many times when I've been disillusioned and I've struggled, when I've reached high points in my life, Lord, that I thought would be so wonderful, and yet I was doing it without you. And I thank you for the kind words that you spoke to me at those mo moments. Thank you for the patience you've had with me, Lord, to whisper in my ear, Annie, I'm here. I can take you higher. I can satisfy that emptiness. And Lord, I know you're talking to every one of us here. And Lord, I think about the low points in my life and how I had, was blinded by tears, Lord, but you so patiently stood by until I could clear the mist and the fog from my life long enough to see that you were there all along. And I pray, Lord, that you will take each one of us to our neighbors, Lord. Take us to the pe people that are in our pathway who need our help. Teach us, Lord, to be unashamed in our neighborhood, to proclaim the gospel, to, to bring a message of hope, and Lord, to be skillful in doing it, to actually recognize the high points and the low points in people's lives as divine appointments, and to be ready and willing to stand up at those times and to speak to people about Jesus. Lord, I know it's hard sometimes when people are just down and out and they're saying, where is God and why does he allow this? And they just have so much doubt. And sometimes we wonder, how do you answer those questions? But Lord, give us the power to just stand by and to be that handshake, to be the arm around their shoulder, to be the sparkle of hope that answers the question of where you are. Even if we don't have the words, Lord, let us be there so that you can be there through us. And at the high points, Lord, many of us are surrounded by successful people who are real high achievers, Lord. Show us the moments of disillusionment in their lives so that we can give them something to achieve something to strive for that's out of this world. Thank you, God, for our neighbors. Thank you for placing us in our neighborhood. In your name I pray, amen. We talked a lot about the things that God does to awaken a spiritual interest, and we also touched on the fact that we are the salt of the earth. And salt's no good in the salt shaker, is it? Where does it need to be? It needs to be out there in the world, out of the salt shaker. And so we need to take the salt of God's word in our life and go into our neighborhood, and we need to share that. So that means it's got to get out of us and where? Out to our neighbors. But they'll come to me. True? False? False. I've got to go to them? Yes. Did we come to God? No, yes? Who came first? God. If we came to God, it was because he had already come to us. Amen. And so we need to get this straight. It's, sometimes we think, you know, well, I'll just live my life and people will see something in me that they want. True. That's the power of personal testimony. And personal testimony is really just living, Jesus living in you. And then sometimes it means talking too. But we think, you know, people will just see my life and they will come to me. You know, we hang the shingle out that says open for spiritual business and we hope that they will come. And we, now, wait a minute, let me ask you this question. Is sending out flyers going to them? But I sent them to them. It went right into their mailbox, into their home. Didn't I go to them? What did I ask them to do on that flyer? Come to me. <laughs> I sent a flyer to tell them to come to me, right? <laughs> and you know, Jesus didn't use handbills, even though if he were here today, he would use handbills. Jesus used living handbills. Living handbills are you and I taking that salt of the gospel out into the world to make the gospel appealing to people. And if we use handbills, guess where they should be? In the hand of a living handbill. Now, yes, we can send it to their mailbox because if they get it one, two, three, four, five times, that will increase the chances that they come. But we need to go to people. And so we need to be unashamed in our neighborhood. Now, when we cross over into this arena of spiritual conversations with people, sometimes we get a little bit uncomfortable and we get a little bit ashamed. We don't know how to talk about the gospel. We don't know how to give Bible studies. 
But as we're looking at the things that God uses to awaken a spiritual interest in people, we see the crisis of getting, we see the crisis of losing, and now there are two more. I have them on the screen here as a review. The crisis of seeing. What do people need to see? What they're looking for lived out in my life. They need to see happiness, peace, patience, um, goals, purpose, the sparkle in our eye, hope, um, a destination, energy. They need to see all these things in us because that's Jesus in us. And when they see it, then they go, well, you know, a college degree seems to give some people that, but Jesus seems to be giving it to this person over here. So Jesus is a source of that. And they start to awaken, and again, they take that second look, and they look over, and they say, wow, maybe religion does work. Maybe it is out there. What I'm looking for is out there. And then there are times when we need to speak to people directly about the gospel. How do you do that? Especially in my neighborhood, where they're not interested. Would you like to know a really awesome, incredible, fun way to give Bible studies? Well, first of all, you have to talk to people. <laughs> now, can you talk to people about the weather? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you can talk to people, right? Why is it so easy to talk about the weather? <laughs> what else can we talk to people about? Jesus, amen. Okay, sports. Okay, people are interested in sports. What else can you talk to people about? Family. Family, okay. What else? Job. Job. It's very easy to say, where do you work, right? Um, you know, or do you have any, do you have family around here? A lot of times I'll start with that, you know, do you have family around here? Because it's, sometimes if you ask people, are you married, it's, some people, I don't know, they don't like that question. Do you have family around here? You know? Um, so you can talk about family, you can talk about jobs, sports, weather, things like that. That's a warm-up, isn't it? that gets your foot in the door conversationally. But how do you talk about religion? Now, how many people could ask someone, do you go to church? Could you ask somebody that? Yeah, but then what are they going to say? Yes or no, and then where does it go? OK. Did that, said that, now where do I go? Could you ask someone, do you ever pray? Have you ever prayed before? Could you ask somebody that? Yeah. A lot of these questions people are going to say yes and no to, right? And then the, all of a sudden the, the conversation dies. How can you develop a conversation with a person that will continue on week after week? How can you develop a spiritual relationship with someone where you're sharing the Bible with them week after week? Now I'm talking about people that don't want Bible studies. People that don't have time for Bible studies. Our topic today is from strangers to Bible studies. We're just talking about bringing people up to the point of wanting Bible studies, accepting Bible studies. Uh, Wes is going to be teaching us this afternoon at 2.30. He'll have a two-hour wonderful class on how to give Bible studies and, and three easy and wonderful ways to write and give Bible studies. I'm not going to go that far. I'm just going to get us to the point of people wanting Bible studies, which is a big step, isn't it? So how do you talk to people about God? How do you give Bible studies to people who don't want Bible studies? You want to know? <laughs> okay, let's continue. Awakening spiritual interest from strangers to Bible studies. Remember to watch the highs and the lows in people's lives and come close to them and share the gospel, share the appetizer of God's word with people when their appetite is strong. Now we're going to look at how to talk to people about God and how to share God's word with people. I want to talk to you about conversational highway exits. How many have been down, going down a, a highway 60 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour? You're going down the highway and then you see your exit. What do you have to do to take that exit? Slow down, thank you. What else do you have to do? Okay, slow down, put the brakes on. Okay, we got that one. Switch lanes. Change, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit if you don't mind. Change directions a little. Slow down, change directions, and exit. 
Now, how, what kind of conversations do you normally have with people or do people normally have among themselves? What kind of conversations? Worldly or spiritual? Worldly conversations. Okay, now they're not bad, right? It's not bad to talk about the food that God created because he loves us, right? Is it bad to talk about vehicles that he gave, that he gave us for transportation? Is that, is that wrong? No. Is it wrong to talk about all these worldly things, you know, gardening, computers, you can list off a bunch of topics, but they are worldly conversations, right? They're, they're about the things of this life. Okay, so conversations are generally going 50, 60, 70, 80 miles an hour down the highway on worldly topics. It's pretty easy to talk to people about the things they're interested in and those topics, isn't it? So what are we going to have to do if we want to change the direction of the conversation? Slow down. Change directions and exit. So in other words, we have to slow them down because they're so engrossed in talking about the computer they just got, right? So at some point, you've got to slow that conversation down, change the direction to what kind of topic? Spiritual topic, and then you've got to exit off of the computer into the spiritual conversation, right? Or it could be recipes, or it could be a whole number of different topics. So what do you have to do? Slow the conversation down. Then you need to change directions to a spiritual topic, and then you need to dive into it, right? Okay, this is an interesting quote. It says, by being social and coming close to the people, you may turn the current of their thoughts more readily than by the most able discourse. So if somebody likes to talk about computers, how would you be social with that person? You would talk about computers. So you need to go down that highway 80 miles an hour talking about computers, right? Get into it, right? Ask them questions. And if you don't know a single thing about computers, ask them questions about making lasagna. No, ask them questions about computers. And if somebody is a fashion designer, you need to go 80 miles an hour down that highway talking to them about fashion designing. Yeah, how did you get into it? How did you get started? You know, what are some of the designers that inspired you? Think of all the questions you can about that. You, may, you might not care anything about fashion design. But guess what you do care, care about? The fashion designer. Amen? Now, when you're talking to someone about fashion design, you eventually want to turn the current of their thoughts to what? Something spiritual. Now, what does fashion design have to do with spiritual things? Okay, so some people, now what would happen if suddenly you, want, you were going down the highway in a car and you go, whoa, I'm going the wrong direction. I've got to change directions. And you just slam on your brakes and do a 180 U-turn. What's that going to, what, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to crash, right? You're going to crash. So now if you take a conversation with someone who just is enthralled by fashion design and all of a sudden you go, Hey, I've got a book about the second coming of Jesus. I want to give it to you. What would you just do? <laughs> you slammed on your brakes in the middle of what they were interested in, did a U-turn, and they go, oh, 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 wait a minute. Where'd that come from? But sometimes we don't know how to do it any differently, right? And there's another place where we're given counsel that Jesus disturbed as little as possible their natural train of thinking. But he led them in the spiritual direction. So first you have to slow down. So you need to kind of let the fashion design conversation wind down a little bit. It means you may need to stay in that conversation a little while with them, right? And then you're going to be able to change directions and then dive into the spiritual topic. Now, I'm going to share with you a little model for um, conversations, starting spiritual conversations, and it doesn't have a nice little acronym. It's ISR. ISR. I call it ISR. Can you say ISR? ISR. I-S-R. ISR. I stands for investigate. S stands for stimulate. And R stands for relate. ISR. Okay? Investigate, stimulate, relate. I'm going to talk to you about how we can use this model for changing the directions of a conversation so it actually goes spiritual.
This is an important key to getting from the point of being a stranger with someone or even a friend with them, but completely on worldly topics and then moving to the point where they desire and want Bible studies from you. First, you've got to talk to people about God, and then you have the opportunity to give them Bible studies. Okay, so ISER, investigate, stimulate, relate. So when I'm investigating, guess what I'm talking to the fashion designer about? What am I investigating? Fashion. The fashion designer industry and their involvement in it. If I'm talking to someone about computers, what am I investigating about? Okay. And I'm, what do you do when you investigate? Do you disagree with people? If you have a disagreement with them, where do you keep that disagreement? To yourself. You are investigating. When did you first become involved in fashion design? Have you done it all of your life? Uh, where have you worked? What fashion designers inspire you? Is there a particular one that inspired you? Um, can you show me some of the things that you've designed? What are some of the companies you've sold to? What are these questions? Questions about investigating. Now, if I wanted to ask a question that's stimulated, what do you think I want to stimulate? Spiritual connections. So now, again, I could just slam on the brakes, turn around and say, I have a book about the second coming of Jesus I'd like to give you. But that would crash, most likely. Or I could take a natural highway exit right out of the topic of fashion design into spiritual things. Now I'm going to throw this out to you. What would a stimulating question be related to fashion design that could take someone in a spiritual direction? Now remember, you've got to let the fashion design, the investigation part, slow down a little bit first. It's not real safe to exit at 80 miles an hour, okay? So you've got you to talk to people a while about their interests. But then you get to the point where you can ask a stimulating question that's going to change the direction a little bit. Not 180, just a little bit. What are some questions? You can put your thinking cap on and I want you to make this a way of life. Here I am in this worldly conversation. Where's the highway exit? Who was the first fashion designer? Thank you. I've got a question for you. Who was the first fashion designer? Hmm? People stop, they think. Well, and, and they may have a lot of different answers. What if they bring up somebody who was a real early fashion designer, but it's not God? Where do you go from there? You slowed down a little bit, didn't you? You started to change directions, but did you get enough change of direction to exit into the spiritual conversation? Not, not completely yet. You're not ready to exit yet. You're getting, you've changed lanes, right? You're one lane closer to that exit. So what, what could you say then if they say to you, well, you know, and they give a name. Well, I don't know anything about the fashion designer industry myself. So, okay, so they give a name, but it's not God. What would you ask then? Could you ask another stimulating question? Who trained them? Who trained them? I love it. I never thought of that. Who trained them? That's a good question. Who trained them? No. Or was there anybody before them? And you keep getting, moving them backwards until all of a sudden they, they, they may say, well, I don't know. And then you can say, do you mind if I share the first fashion designer? Well, no, go ahead. Now what are you doing? You've moved from investigate to stimulate to relate. And now you can start talking to them about, now he's got a God of about God. Is God a God of beauty? Does he love beauty? Does he appreciate it? Are there some things in the Bible that you could begin to share with them? Not opening your Bible for a sit-down Bible study, but just in conversation with them. Are there some things you could talk about, about God and his love for beauty and his appreciation for it? Absolutely. And I don't want to take too long on that because that's just one example. Okay, computers. You're talking to someone about computers. 80 miles an hour down the highway, talking about computers. Programming, the internet. Mac versus PC. I don't know, you know, whatever, whatever happens to come up. You're talking about the computers with them and you're just, you're just, do you like computers? Let's say no. But what are you doing first? You're investigating and as an investigator you so much want to spend time with that person and you so much like them and your whole purpose is to spend time with them because they're your neighbor and because you love them that you're really interested in what at the moment? Computers, because that's part of the person that you're interested in. So you're asking them all these questions. You know, how long have you had your computer? How much, 
you know, and you can tell them, I don't know anything about computers, but can you show me how it works? What, what is one of your latest projects on here? Now, where's, what are you going to say to stimulate a question? Here, what's, what question could you use to stimulate? Now, I'm unscripted right now, so um, your answer is, good, as, is as good as mine. What inspired you to do that? What inspired you to do that? Yeah. So now, depending on their answer, it could go in a lot of different directions, couldn't it? What are some answers that a computer person could give to what inspired them to do computers? Say again? Their, their love for computers? Yeah, yeah, I just like them. Yeah. An experience they had, their dad, okay. Now, I'm gonna go with the first one here. I just like them. I'm gonna go with that one for a minute. Now, depending on how the conversation is going, you may be ready to exit and you may not. Have you ever had anybody spend time with you because they just liked you? Now, you see what I've done here. They do computers because they just like them. Now, when I take it to the next level, it's not necessarily spiritual yet, but it's close to home. Have you ever had somebody spend time with you just because, for no other good reason other than they just kind of like you? I mean, they just really like you. Now, you'll notice at that point that a burly, tough, macho, or not macho, or male, female, anybody, you know, tough, kind of independent, strong, I can do anything person will have a different look on their face when you ask them that question. Now, you may not feel like you've gotten spiritual yet, but you've gotten close to the heart. And the heart, the deepest place in the heart is that God-shaped void. So what have you gotten close to? Their spiritual need. So have you ever had anybody spend time with you just because they like you? Just because they want to? You know, and some people will kind of say, oh, oh yeah, well, some people will get kind of jovial at that point. And that's just to cover up the fact that they don't really think anybody does like them. Or other people, another person may reminisce about someone who really, really liked them and a, real, a relationship that they had that was really important to them. Can I share with you just a little story about someone who right now really likes you? Really wants to spend time with you? What am I doing now? Am I going 80 miles down the road, down the highway? talking computers? Am I slowly changing lanes? I'm exiting. And how close do you think we are to the God-shaped void when we're talking about that? Very, 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 very close. Now, doesn't this sound like fun? Do you see what's happening here? You're taking their interests. You're investigating them. Then you're praying the whole time, Lord, what is a question that I could ask that could change the direction of this conversation just a little bit so that I can then exit into a spiritual conversation with them. And I just love the way it happens. People don't see it coming. And all of a sudden, whoo, they're off the highway and they're into a spiritual conversation. And it's just a lot of fun. I know we're, our time is just going to fly by in this class and I have a lot of stories that I want to tell. But we'll see how far we get. Do you like stories? Real life stories? Yeah. I want to tell you about a... Um, a new member that I visited in the hospital. And this new member was a single mom. She had a, um, I think it was a 14-year-old daughter. And so as you can imagine, you know, life was a little bit hard for her. She had cancer at one point, but it was in remission. And so she was very thankful about that. She and her daughter were both baptized. And they were very near and dear to my heart because I had the opportunity of studying with them and being part of their life as they made that decision for baptism. And so I got that call. And um, I'm going to change the name, but Karen is in the hospital. And my heart sunk. Because I knew. You know, I knew she didn't have the, you know, the best of health. And I knew at any point the cancer could come back. And I knew how frightening and scary that was to her. And so I went to visit her in the hospital. And when I first got there, what was my first goal? Investigate. Investigate. And so I just asked her simple questions like, you know, when did you get here? Um, what, what happened to make you come into the hospital? And how, how have things been proceeding? Have they done any tests? Are you comfortable? Do you need anything? Who's taking care of your daughter? Is there any way I can help? Just investigating. Now she's in the hospital. She's going through which crisis? Pulling on our last class. Which crisis is she going through? The crisis of loss. What is she losing? Health. The security of being able to 
know that her health, that her cancer is in remission and that she can take care of a daughter. She's losing a lot, isn't she? And she told me, the cancer's come back. And that's what the tests have showed. And so you can imagine what she's going through. What were some of the questions that we just saw that come up during the crisis of losing? Where is God? Why is it happening? Doesn't God care? So what are some of the questions you could ask that would stimulate a spiritual conversation with this lady? Well, here's what I did. I said to her, do you ever wonder, when you think about your future and you think about your daughter, do you ever wonder, where is God when I need him? Now, what, I kind of I went a little bit fast, didn't I? I kind of was almost straight to the exit, but I could with her because I'd already had a spiritual relationship with her and talked about those things a lot. And you know what she said at first? No, I know God is here. I know he's with me. That's what you're supposed to say to Bible workers and pastors and fellow church members who expect each other to be strong. But I could see it all over her face that she was crumbling. And I said, are you sure? Do you know, are you sure that God is here with you in this time of loss? And then she just broke down and the, the dam broke. You know, and she cried and she just poured her heart out with the fear, the terrifying panic and fear that she had about her daughter and things like that. What was the truth? She didn't know how to find God. It was too dark, it was too confusing, it was too painful. Her eyes were too blinded by tears. She couldn't see God at that point. And then I moved on to R, which is relate. And I said, Karen, may I share with you where God is when everything goes wrong? And I just shared with her stories from the Bible about God's physical abiding presence going through trials with us. How God doesn't leave us through these times and how he's there, and how she could talk to God. And I even told her she could ask God hard questions like, where are you, God? And she didn't know that. She didn't know that she could talk to God when she had questions. She didn't know she could tell God when she was angry. She didn't know, and a lot of people don't know that. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands, but a lot of people don't have, don't believe they have permission to tell God the truth. When they're angry, they feel like they need to get over it, and then they'll pray. Um, and if you've ever thought that, read Psalm 109. David was a friend of God, and Psalm 109 is one of his prayers. And he pours his heart out to God. And he even tells God he would like his enemies to have some really bad things happen to him. And so David is quite angry at the time. But he's not taking his anger out on his enemies. He's talking to God about his anger. And when you talk to God about your anger, he can take it and give you love. You talk to the person you're angry about it with. You take it out on them, it's gonna be a different story. Okay, so that's just one, one story. Do you see how this is working? Conversations lead to spiritual conversation when you go from investigate to stimulate to relate. And um, remember the phrase, ISR? I-S-R? What does it stand for? Investigate, stimulate, and relate. And it's so much fun because all of us can get started on a conversation with someone on things they're interested in, and that's half the battle, getting it started. And once you get it started, if you know how to transition to a spiritual conversation, then you can just have amazing conversations with people about spiritual things. And you may end up at the end of the conversation simply saying, I'll be praying for you. You may end up saying, can we pray now? You may end up saying, may I share with you an experience that I had? And now you've got a tighter bond and it's not just on the things of this world, it's actually on a spiritual level that you're getting bonded with these people. And then the next time a crisis comes up, the next time they hit that high point and they get disillusioned as they find that the things of this life are disappointing them, the next time that that happens, suddenly they think of you. Just recently we went and knocked on a lady's door, we had seen her several times before, knocked on her door, God impressed us to go there that day, and as we knocked there she greeted us with these words, I've been thinking about calling you. Now the reason she was thinking about calling us is because we're her friend. She doesn't go to our church. She doesn't live our lifestyle, but she's our friend. Why does she think about calling us? We've talked to her about spiritual things before. 
And now she has a spiritual crisis, and so she wants to talk to us. So connect with your neighbors on the things that they're interested in. Do a lot of investigating. Watch for the opportunities. Look for those highway exits. And then begin to do what next? Stimulate. And that opens the door to relate. And it takes practice. So I encourage you to begin, begin practicing. And if you crash a couple times, that's OK. Keep trying. Keep trying. Sometimes you'll say, ooh, I put the brakes on too fast. I went into a spiritual topic way too soon. They weren't quite ready. Well, practice again the next time. And uh, don't get discouraged by the little disappointments along the way. I've got to tell you about the man that, uh, one man that I've got to tell you about. He was really exciting. I was um, going with a lady to her prenatal visit. It's taking a long time, so I was waiting outside of the building, just standing there. Not really much to do. And I saw this guy, and he had the most elaborate cast that I have ever seen in my life. He had, I don't know what he did to his leg, but he really broke it good because he had this cast that had all these different adjustments on it. It was really amazing. And um, he, was, he came up to me all agitated and nervous, and he said, do you have a lighter? I think he might have asked if I had a cigarette, too. I'm not sure. And I said, no, sir, I don't. I'm sorry. And so he rushed off to ask someone else. And he finally, he finally got a cigarette and calmed down a little bit. So I talked to him a little bit, and I said, what do you think I asked him? What happened to your leg. What am I doing? Investigating. I asked, what happened to your leg? And I said, that is the most elaborate cast I have ever seen in my life. And how does it work? And he showed me, well, you, you know, as, as this heals and grows, then you want to put more pressure here. And so they tighten down different parts, and they're always adjusting it. And he told me what had happened and when it happened and things like that. So we talked for quite a while. And I asked him, do you ever get bored? Now, where am I starting to go now? I'm starting to go to the stimulating part of the conversation because I'm wanting to take it into a serious, in a serious direction. And so I said, do you ever get bored? I said, oh. He said, that's an understatement. He was like, this is so miserable. The last X number of months of my life are just miserable. You know, I can't go anything. I can't do anything for myself. You know, I just sit here. And uh, you could tell it really, really bothered him. And I'm thinking, where do I go spiritually with this? He was a real flippant kind of person. He didn't really seem comfortable when the conversation got serious. He was always kind of laughing and joking. I thought, where do I go with this? And then I thought about my dad and how my dad had broken his leg hang gliding and was in a cast for six months. And during that time, he read a Hal Lindsey book. And when he was reading that book, he just you know devoured books because he was so bored and there was nothing else to do. He read this book. And he got to this point where Hal Lindsey says, um, you know, reader, you can give your life to Jesus. And it invites you to give your life to Jesus. And he put the book down and didn't want to read that part. And, but then he picked it up again and flipped back and tried to get past that part. And the next paragraph said, well, did you do it? <laughs> and, and it was at that point that my dad kneeled down, knelt down in the bedroom there, was trying to kneel down with his cast and actually asked, invited Jesus into his heart. And so as I'm talking to this man who has this cast, who doesn't seem to enjoy you know, deep conversations, wants to keep it real lighthearted. But I've asked him that question, do you ever get bored? And what did he say? Yeah. I said, well, my dad was in a, had a cast on his leg for about six months. And I said, he could really relate to you because he was bored, just bored to tears. So he read a lot. The guy's like, yeah, I read a lot. But after a while, you get tired of reading, too. I said, yeah, this one particular time he was reading this book, and he got to this paragraph, and it asked, you know, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Why don't you invite him into your life? And uh, the guy, you know, he's getting nervous. And he, he runs off to go get another cigarette. So he's gone. So did that crash? <coughs> Seemed to. So don't, don't get discouraged if it crashes, though. So anyway, he, he was within speaking distance again as he came back. And, so I kind of looked over and talked to him, and I said, when's your ride coming? So what did I do with the conversation now? I backed up a little bit. So if you go too fast, forward too fast, you can always back up a little bit. So I backed up a little bit, and we were chatting a little bit. And you know what he did then? He said to me, I didn't bring anything up spiritual again. He said to me, I don't think you have to go to church. All these people that feel guilty because they don't go to church or read their Bible or things like that, I don't think you, I don't think you should feel that way. I don't think you need to do that. And I said, oh, OK. And um, I said, you know, sometimes, sometimes people are really missing a lot when they don't go to church, though, because it can be a real encouragement. I don't think so. And so then we talked about the weather. <laughs> and then we talked about the place where he lived. 
I gotta shorten this story. So anyway, as we're doing this, we're just talking and visiting, and, and you know then what he did? He turned to me and he said, sometimes I feel guilty for not going to church. <laughs> you know, let's figure that one out. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And, I, and then I asked him, I said, do you know how to pray? Where are we now? We've exited. <laughs> but but who, who did the steering for this little maneuver for a while there? He did. He did. Isn't that neat? Sometimes you just have to get it started with God's help, and then the Lord continues to work on their mind. And uh, so I said, do you know how to pray? And I said, there's a promise in the Bible I want to share with you. It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. And I said, if you ever feel that guilt, you can talk to God. You can say, God, you know, I haven't been following you. I haven't been listening to you. I haven't been talking to you. I haven't been paying attention to you in my life. And... You know, I said, you can say those words to God. You can say, I'm sorry. And you know what God will say? I forgive you. And I said, it's that simple. It's done. And I said, then you can, you actually will have more desire to go to church because you won't be carrying that guilt. And God can really help you. And he wants to talk to you. Even if you don't go to church, he wants you to talk to him. I was like, that was just like this world about God that he had never heard before. It's really exciting. And I told him, I said, you know, you've got time in your hands, don't you? I said, I have some Bible studies I'd like to send to you. Oh, no, I've been really busy lately. <laughs> and you know, people flip-flop like this. He said, you know, I just don't think I'd really have time for that. And by then, you know what I did? I looked at him and I said, you have time. I said, you have time. Yeah, I, I, I had won the right to be really honest with him and to talk straight with him, you know? I could tell he could handle it at that point. And uh, so anyway, we continued, and I said, what's your address? I'm going to mail them to you. He said, I don't have an address. <laughs> and I said, uh, where do you get your mail? <laughs> and he said, well, the place I'm staying. I'm staying, yeah, I can get mail there. And I said, what's your address? I don't have a piece of paper to write it down. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll find one. <laughs> and so we found a piece of paper, and, and he went off and got another cigarette, and he came back and gave me his address. And, um, you know, by then, conversation had kind of fizzled, and that was about as far as it was going to go. And, and he had transportation that came. And as the transportation came, and he started walking up the steps, and you know, you can imagine with those, um, what do you walk with when you have a cast on? Crutches. crutches, with the crutches and with that elaborate cast. He's having a little trouble getting up the steps. He stops halfway up those three steps, stops, turns around, looks at me and says, please, don't forget to send those Bible studies. It's just, oh, you know, your heart just, you just, you know, you just want to cry at the power of the gospel. But I want, I want to remind you that it started with something so simple as the Isser model of conversation. Investigate, stimulate, and then you can relate. Okay, so that's conversations. Conversations open up spiritual opportunities. And I have a lot more stories that I could tell, but I'm not going to tell them. I want you to email me with your stories as you experience them out in the field. We do have a little bit more time, though, and I want to talk about giving Bible studies to people that don't want them. Okay? How many people would qualify for that? A lot of people. You know, so many times we're focused on the people that want the gospel. But Jesus wanted to reach everyone, you know? And it's the people that don't want the gospel often that are the hardest to reach and that perplex us a lot. But I found a couple really fun and easy ways to give them Bible studies. And I call them hit and run Bible studies. And if you've ever been so scared to give Bible studies that you just would never even try it, I would like to share with you how you can give a Bible study. Um, do I have a volunteer, someone willing to admit that you're scared to death of giving Bible studies? Anyone? Okay. Um, I'm going to come to you. So you don't have to come, come up here. I'm going to share with you how you can give a hit and run Bible study. And you're going to be able to give it today. Now we think, how many Bible verses does a Bible study have in it? Tell me. Lots. Thank you. Anyone else? Numbers, please. Anyone have numbers? Eight to ten um, verses. Okay, anyone else? Upon three witnesses are all things confirmed. Okay, upon three witnesses are all things confirmed. All right, excellent. That's very good. Okay, good to have just one. Now who determines how many, how many um, Bible verses? Is it possible that one Bible verse could qualify for a Bible study? And, you know, God could take two more times to confirm it, <laughs> and your life could confirm it? Okay? All right. Who says a Bible study has to have 
20 verses in it to qualify and say, I gave a Bible study. Okay, here's how a hit and run Bible study works. Okay, I'm going to walk up to, what's your name? Emmy. Say again? Emmy. Emmy? Okay. Thank I'd like you to have that. Ooh, I'm out of here. <laughs> That's a hit and run Bible study. Okay? What did I just do? <laughs> you have no clue, right? What was on that piece of paper? There was a Bible verse written on that piece of paper. Okay, now who did I give it to? Emmy. Emmy. Does she have that Bible verse now? Yes. Is she looking at it? She is looking at it. Now, Ami, I would like for you to do the same thing I just did. Okay? She just gave a Bible study. Now, here's how this works. Now, that may sound like, you know, what did you do? I was teaching a class in Northport, Washington, which is our home church, and um, I gave, you know, this little class, and so I handed a Bible verse to one of the girls there. Well, one of the, most of the people in the class were members of our church. She talked to me the next Sabbath, and she said, you just don't know how much that Bible verse helped me. It was exactly what I needed that day. And she said, I spent the whole week studying that verse and the verses before it and the verses ahead of it. Now, just because I didn't give a 20-verse Bible study or a 10-verse Bible study, God did. Now, if I could give one verse to someone and then God gives them a Bible study in their home instead of me, wow. Now, let's go back to our question, who is my neighbor? Where do we need to be unashamed in our neighborhood? Could it be the church member sitting next to you? It could be. Now, what did I do with that lady? I gave her a hit-and-run Bible study. It's catchy. It's just fun. You know, it's like you, hand them, you can say to them, I have something for you. Here's a card. Did you get this? This is for you. Whatever little phrase works for you. Or you can do what Ami just did and go like this and not say a word. She handed it to the girl next door, but she didn't say a word. Wordless Bible studies. That's pretty neat, isn't it? You can do that, and then it's like a seed. It begins to grow. And you never know what kind of Bible studies they'll be doing in their home after that. Okay, now let's, let's stretch this a little bit, the potential of it. What if you see, um, what if you go to a particular store once a week? about the same time. I'm just going to give you the potential of this. Could you choose the same checkout lady every time? If you go in the roughly the same time every day, could you choose the same cashier, the same checkout lady? Could you give her a different Bible verse every week? Now, the most powerful spiritual progress happens when you have regular, weekly, personal, positive contact with a person. So if you really want to Get everything you can out of a hit-and-run Bible study. Choose one person and attempt to give them a Bible verse every week. Now that's going to add up to a lot of Bible verses, isn't it? But you know you can do it the same way every week if you want. You can go here. You know, and you can say, I'm out of here when you're done. It's hit and run. It was so much fun because in, a, in our church after that class, on um, Sabbath morning during testimony time, they'd be like, I gave a hit and run Bible study this week, and this happened, and this happened. And one time we had a visitor sitting there. She looks at me, she's like, a hit and run? Did they? <laughs> they said, I had a hit and run this week. And she's like, man, you know, did the police catch the guy? <laughs> because they thought, you know, that she had gotten rear-ended and the guy had taken off or something like that, you know. And so I explained to her what it was, and she's like, that's neat. That's really neat. And uh, anyway, I've got to tell you about the next one. You got hit and run? You understand how to do it? All of those who were here early and wrote a little Bible verse on a piece of paper, even if it was just a little corner or a little scratch pad, put, put your hand up, please. Okay, please hit and run. Hand it to somebody. Okay, all right. That was four or five people just gave a Bible study. And you never know where that seed is going to go. Now, the powerful thing about this is you have broken that barrier of... I can't talk to people about spiritual things. I can't give them Bible studies. You've broken through that barrier and won a victory. Now you're interacting with people spiritually. Even if you never say a word, that Bible verse goes home with them. It goes in their mind. They begin thinking about it. And guess who they're going to turn to when they have a spiritual question? Most likely. Who are they going to think of? You. You're going to, they're going to think of the person that's always giving them Bible verses. But remember, you're friendly, you talk to them about their interests, you're not this, uh-oh, here comes that spiritual person. You know what I mean? You're real life with them. It's not like you're 
you don't give a sermon as you hand it to them. It's real comfortable. And it's fun with people who don't like to talk spiritual things because they don't have to be embarrassed. Have you ever tried to pray with someone in public? And what do they do? You know, it's like, hurry up and finish. Because they're so embarrassed to have you praying with them in public. You don't embarrass people this way. You just hand it to them. You can hand it to your classmate in the university campus. You can hand it to your professor. You know, you can do all kinds of things. One of the girls back at our church there, she said she finally got up the courage, you know, to give it to one of her professor. And her professor again came back to her and she said, I can't believe it. I needed that verse so much, it came at a perfect time. Well, you can imagine what that did to her faith, you know? And her, her desire to give another hit and run Bible study. You know, it just, it grows. Now I want to tell you about 60-second Bible studies, and our time is winding down really, really fast here. 60-second Bible studies involve talking, okay? So it's not the give them the card and run. It simply goes like this. It's one Bible verse, and you say to the person, I read a really neat Bible verse this morning, and I just wanted to share it with you. Or you can say, have you ever heard this before? I want to read it to you. And you can have a card and read it if you want to, if you're afraid you're going to get tongue-tied like I do. You can just read it to them. Now, you have spoken the word. It takes about 60 seconds, and you've given them one Bible verse. And it can simply be, you know, a verse like, um, he cares for you. I read this this morning, you know, as I was thinking about my day, just to think that God cares for me. It really helped me today. I wanted to read it to you. That's all. What have you just done? given a 60-second Bible study. What do advertisers know about 60-second spots? They're powerful. Remember the appetizers? You don't give the person the whole plate when they're not interested. You give them a bite, a sample. Exactly. And people are going to get hooked. And you know what's really neat is that, that checkout lady that sees you every Thursday afternoon, when something comes up in her life, she's going to start looking forward to you coming. And you're going to have divine appointments with her. Okay, so 60 second. Um, we were doing a class in Benton, Arkansas. And I was asking for volunteers. We were doing a weekly class. And I said, who would volunteer to do a 60, se 60 second Bible study this week? And so Brandon put up his hand. He's like, I can't give Bible studies, but I'll try it. And so that next day, he was going to work on a Sunday morning. And he was giving a ride to one of his coworkers. So the coworker is riding in his vehicle. He said, this coworker puts his head in the newspaper, reads the newspaper the whole time, doesn't talk. He said, I knew I couldn't lose anything with this guy. <laughs> it would be easy. I'd get it done. I'd come back and i say, I did it, but it didn't work. And uh, so he, he said to the guy, the guy's in the newspaper, driving along down the road, and that our, our member was driving. His coworker is riding with the newspaper. He said, I read an, a, a neat verse this morning. Oh, you did. He puts his newspaper down, full attention, said, what did it say? <laughs> now, guess what happened to the guy? He got nervous. His mind went blank. That's why I don't give Bible studies, right? My mind will go blank. I'll fail. I'll blow it. Yeah, you may fail. You may blow it, but God won't. Okay, so the guy's mind goes blank. He's, he's driving. He's thinking. His mind is racing. He can't for the life of him think about what it is. He can't think of any Bible verse to share with him. <laughs> Completely blank. And the guy goes, uh, um, I, I'm sorry, I've forgotten. I can't remember what it was. I mean, he just said it was a really neat Bible verse, right? <laughs> and so um, his mind goes blank. I mean, it was seriously blank. It wasn't coming back. No praying could bring the verse back. So, I mean, what do you say at those moments? God, I blew it. And so did you. You didn't bring it to my mind. You know, it, that would maybe be an honest prayer, you know? And you feel like you failed and just, uh, you know, what are you going to come back and tell Annie at the class, you know, and things like that. And you know what the guy did? The guy said, let me help you. Now get this. This, this church member who was driving always kept his Bible in the crew cab seat behind him. You know what that man who always had his nose in the newspaper knew? He knew where the Bible was. What we don't know that people know. That man reached in the back, got the man's Bible. Of course, you know, the man is, Brandon is driving. So Jeff, the guy he's talking to, you know, has hands free. 
especially since he put his newspaper down. So he reaches, gets the guy's Bible, and says, well, let me help you. Where were you reading? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, so the guy, Jeff, he starts flipping through the Bible, and now Brandon, our member, had several things marked. He stops. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 is marked. He said, is that why you go to church on Saturday? Brandon's like, yeah. <laughs> and so he reads the Bible verse, flips over a little bit, Ecclesiastes 9, 5, and 6. The living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. And now get this, this is a real, it's exited, completely exited off the highway of worldly conversation. And the, and the guy says, you know, my mom just died. I think it was his mom or his dad, you know, the, the details, a little immaterial here, but he had just lost a family member. And he said, you know, I always wondered what happens when you die. Now, what can Brandon do at this point? Talk about Jesus. And you think its tongue was tied anymore? Not anymore. Now, who gave that Bible study? <laughs> How many verses was it? Who chose the topics? <laughs> now, you don't normally do Sabbath and the State of the Dead in your first Bible study, do you? But if that's what God chooses... And that's what the God sees is needed. And so the gentlemen, you know, they were able to talk. And then before you know it, they were at the job site. But do you think Brandon is going to have more interaction with, with Jeff? Mm -hmm. Of course. They're co-workers. That's what's powerful about reaching out to your neighbors. That's why it's so critical that we live the Christian life, because our neighbors know where our Bible is. They know where it isn't. They know who we're patient with and who we're not patient with. They know whether Jesus is living in us or not. And again, these stories are just designed to inspire us with the potential of how we can start Bible studies with strangers, with people that don't want them, with friends, with family members, with neighbors. And um, we can do, how many feel like you could do a hit and run Bible study? Okay, all right, I mean, you can do it, amen. How many feel like you could do a 60 second Bible study? It can be less hands, it's okay. What you'll find is that as you do hit and run Bible studies, if you keep it up and really make it a way of life, before you know it, you'll be doing 60-second Bible studies because conversation will start or you'll have a particular one and before you know it, you're reading it to them instead of giving it to them, you know? And you're staying around and talking instead of running away. And so I just want to conclude with our topic of From Strangers to Bible Studies and encourage you to get started with conversations about God. Take those highway exits, be in prayer, and then do hit and run Bible studies and do 60 second Bible studies with people. And before you know it, you will desperately need the next class, which is how to give Bible studies. And uh, Wes, will be, Wes Peppers will be presenting that at 2.30 this afternoon. And please don't miss it, because before you know it, as you give hit and run Bible studies, you will need to know how to give sit down Bible studies, especially if you share them with a lot of people. And uh, you'll find out that you desperately need that class. And then uh, Kevin Sears will be presenting tomorrow. What, what time is the class tomorrow, Kevin? 9.30 in the morning tomorrow. He'll be presenting on the topic of answering objections and questions, correct? Decisions and leading people to decisions. Excellent. You know, it's really exciting because um, Wes and Kevin and I have all worked together at different times in ministry. But when we were thrown together to do this class, we all prayed and chose our topics, and you see how they flow together? Isn't it exciting? And so God has preordained this class and really, really blessed, and I just stand in awe of what God does. Um, I do want to invite you to uh, visit our website at the GospelNet. Um, in the auditorium, we have a DVD series on awakening spiritual interest on this topic, so if you'd like to take it home and share it with others or study it more yourself, there are 13 parts to that. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be with you today, and uh, may God bless you as you give hit and run Bible studies, as you take highway exits in your conversations, and as you lead people to Jesus. I'm going to have a prayer, but I would like to ask you to stand by for a minute. Wes has a few things to say. Loving Father in heaven, I invite you to come into our hearts more than you ever have before, Lord, and to shine through us. I pray that we can talk to people about Jesus and share Bible studies with people that will be powerful and that will take them one step closer to the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. 
If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.